0: So we're going to take a few moments to share some thoughts that we have gleaned from a week of praising him, worshipping him, talking about him, experiencing him. I I was mindful as I was worshipping with this song. Yeah, please, take your seats. (laughs) There was a moment a couple of times in this week where the worship was... Um, motivating, encouraging, and frustrating. And uh, what I mean by frustrating was I, <clears throat> I got to a point where I was worshipping just in, in the crowd and my voice wasn't big enough. My voice wasn't big enough. I could not make... I wanted to make more noise in, in the worship than I could. Physically, I was limited because I couldn't get my voice any louder, because I felt as though what I was bringing to him was not enough, not enough. It was all I had, it was all I had, and I was bringing it before him, and it was both exciting for me and frustrating, because I'm thinking, I I want to make more noise, you deserve more praise than I'm able to articulate right now in the, in the midst of what was going on. The, there were some moments of intense, for me, awareness of him. Not because it was great songs, but because he was inhabiting my praise. There was an, a, a, I just sensed. Anyway. So... We're going to try and stir your hearts. Okay? Th- that's our endeavour. To not just tell great stories. This is what I learned, This is what I heard. This is what challenged me. This is what inspired me. But it's to say, this is what I heard, and it's, it was helpful for me. Maybe it will be helpful for you. Maybe it will help you. Maybe it will challenge you to think. Okay? So I'm going to hand over to Ellen. There you go.
1: Ooh. It's exciting isn't it? exciting times yeah. do you feel excited about what god's doing in you yes. yes because if he's doing something good in you it'll affect others that's how it works i think i think it does that's how it works anyway let's uh let's go let's have a few people to come and share christine steve and christine or christine you come in, yeah steve and christine we had the pleasure of their company this week did we meet we thought we'd meet every day
2: Hardly not. These people know too many people. <laughs> These people know too many people. And you go to find them and they're praying with people or they're chatting away with people and you just think, okay, I'll leave it for a minute and we'll come back. But they were busy, busy. And and we ended up meeting people that we hadn't seen for years as well, which was lovely. Um, yeah, Alan asked if we'd share. And um, unfortunately, I didn't get... Ellen's <laughs> text to. But nine o'clock this morning so i've had to quickly <laughs> think <laughs> yes um because there was so much just like bill was saying it was so much it was so overwhelming it was such a presence of god there that to try and condense it down now was going to be difficult but there was one thing that keeps coming back to my mind and and it's a question and the question is what is that what is that And when she first said it, we thought, that's a bit rude. (laughs) What is that? But what she was talking about was uh, the story of Moses when he saw the burning bush. And the burning bush was not being uh, consumed by the fire. Um, And he stood back. He could see what was happening and what God was doing. And he said, what is that? And the challenge for me was well, this is very quickly, I'm sure you can think more than this. The challenge for me was um, the question what is that In, in our daily life and our issues and our problems? Do we get consumed by the fire, the problem, or are we able to stand? And then people can ask the question what is that? What is that? And this person, you, you know, you've been able to stand. Um, and then through that, what was also uh, challenged me through that is that, you know, obviously the, the Holy Spirit is our power, our fire. That's where we get revitalized, not the, the, the problems. Um, but also the challenge was how do we um, live daily? And it's by giving away what we have, that power, that Holy Spirit power we have, it's giving it away and then posturing herself to be refilled again. And one of the things that she taught us, oh, sorry, I'm talking about Danielle Strickland, sorry. If you get a chance to go on YouTube, the channel, the Elam Conference channel, go and watch her um, her preachers. They were excellent. Really good, and and one of the things that she talked about then is the f- our infilling of the Holy Spirit every day, and she taught us this exercise of posturing yourself daily. And actually, I'd seen that before, and it's called infinitum daily prayer. So you can look it up on the internet, and it's a it's a process of posturing yourself every day, repenting, receiving um and and receiving the the holy spirit and and filling yourself so that you can give it away and, you know like a few of you have shared this morning kate and and carol they have these jobs we're on the front line every day and and yourself emma as well and you need that infilling of the holy spirit every day to be able to give it away and so that was the other challenge for me but there was many many more um but i can't think of them all at the moment so i hope that's helpful
1: Challenging, challenging, challenging. Where's Bobby? Oh there she is. Bobby, will you come? Bobby's gonna come and then Dan, then Martin, and then Bill, and then me, and then probably Bill.
2: <laughs>
1: hi. <laughs> so
3: that was a very gentle hi. Hi. <laughs> okay, so um, When Ellen asked me last night if I would share one of my takeaways, I was like, oh my goodness, there was so much. What on earth am I going to share? But one thing that, well, two things that kind of stood out. Um, The first one was a man called Boyd was uh, speaking. I can't say his surname because it's just a load of random letters. I can't say it. (laughs) But if you look at up, there. Um, And he was talking about what do you see? And um, one of the points he said was, do you have clarity or do you just have sight? So do you have clarity or do you just see what's in front of you? Um, And another point that he had said was, um, clarity diminishes when leaders cling to unresolved issues and when he said that that kind of struck something in me um because there there was something in my life that was unresolved and for a long time um probably well over a year um i was letting that get to me and i was clinging on to it and it was making me bitter and angry um to this person and I just could not forgive them for what they had done to me and it had impacted my life so badly that I just I grew to resent them and I didn't want that anymore and when he said that it just struck in my life and I was like oh okay I am clinging on to this I just need to let it go so um they asked people to stand up if you needed prayer to forgive like someone in your life or around them lines so I did I stood up because I knew and I knew this well over a year that I needed to stand up and forgive this person but I had just grown so angry and bitter that I didn't want to Um so yeah yesterday I stood not yesterday throughout the week one of the days um I stood up and I I forgave that person not just for them but for myself um, so that I wouldn't be bitter anymore and I wouldn't grow to resent them anymore. And actually, I spoke to that person then during the week and I just let them know that I love them and I was there so to support support them in whatever they do, ETC. Um, so, yeah, that was one of them. And the other thing was Bill and Ellen. They know everybody. Oh, my goodness. Every single person that they talked to there... It was just everybody. Everyone was like, Bill, Ellen. Or they were like... And I was like, what is going on? They know so many people. What is going on? And it made me realize, actually, right there, when I was just stood there, I was thinking about it. And it made me realize, actually, that's such a good thing. It just shows how much of an impact they've had on other people's lives but also vice versa, what impact them people have had on their lives, and it's made them um, grow in relationship, relationship with others, and yeah, it's just made them grow, and it made me think, don't undermine what people do in your lives, or what you do in other people's lives, because It can make whatever you do in other people's lives, whether it's just a small conversation or whatever, you have you can have a massive impact in their lives. And that's what I saw in you two throughout this week was that you've had a massive impact in so many people's lives that you were talking to and vice versa. So, yeah, don't undermine (laughs) what God does in your life.
1: Uh, so most of you, a lot of you will know in, in here that Bill and I did a lot of years when we first came here down on the Gower at Samadok, the youth camp, and a lot of you have been with us, but prior to that we did 15 to 20 years on the Isle of Wight youth camp, and we'd go every year, it was El- one of Elim's camps, and one year um, I was part of the, uh, leading the children's ministry. And one year out of the blue, I did not know they'd invited a guy to come to work at the camp alongside me. And I d- had no idea. I don't know why I didn't have any idea. Anyway, this black bubbly guy full of life turned up. Des Taylor, he's called. And he was from Luton Christian fellowship and, uh, an Elim church. And, uh, I've thought about him over the years and thought, I wonder where he is. I wonder what's going on. Well, that was one of those times that Bobby was talking about when someone went, "Ah," like that, and he was very, very noisy in this crowd. And I'm hearing this voice going, oh, my goodness, look who, I know you. I'm thinking, and then I thought, I know who it is. It's Des. It is Des back in my life. Anyway, it was so good to see him. That's just a funny story. But anyway, come on. Thank you, Bobby. That was lovely. Thank you. Do you know what I loved about Bobby? <laughs> nearly, nearly. No, no. Do you know what is a lesson? Her vulnerability and her honesty before you. Yeah. Because that's how we all need to live. Understanding when we're caught up with something that we shouldn't be caught up with, that something's screwing up our heart, mind. So no, you need to say no and find a way through it. And very often that way through It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. And it's letting them off the hook for the rotten stuff they've done, but do you know they never know most of the time that you've actually forgiven them. But for you, you're released. And I thought that was that was fantastic. What we love about people is vulnerability and honesty, isn't it? Because that's how we grow together as a family. Well, then, come on, then, drum roll, because he's coming. <laughs>
4: Notwithstanding anything Bobby just said, I asked Bill um, the other day when we were at the conference, how do you know so many people? And he just said, when you're as old as I am, and when you've been as round for as long as I am, you know everyone. So I think it's more to do with what Bobby said and the impact you've had on their lives. We'll run with that one anyway. <laughs> Also, this is nothing to do with anything, but just for your information, I've spent most of the last 30 minutes out in the other room singing um, Five Little Ducks I know MacDonald Had a Farm, which I think is the perfect preparation for coming and sharing something <laughs> spiritual and insightful with you lot. So, <laughs> so there we go. But um, on a serious note, the, um, the moment... I agree with the other guys. It's so hard just to pick up one moment, isn't it, or one little thought. But um, on the very first session... Of the conference, Chris Cartwright spoke to us and he spoke on um, how we are called to the harvest. And that is probably the one that stood out to me the most. And uh, he spoke from um, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38, which I'll just really quickly read. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, and this is the the point that jumped out to me and what he was speaking on, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I think the whole point of what Chris was saying is that's where we come in, that's where the church comes in, that actually we are sent ones we are called to go. We're called to the harvest. And I, for me, I found that really challenging, that we're not called just to stay in our church buildings, to lock ourselves in, to play church. Um, but we are sent ones. We are called to go out. We are called to make a difference out there in the community. And um, my mind, as he's talked about sowing, and this is the other thing he said, actually. I've got his notes in front of me. Hence why I'm looking down. <laughs> uh, he spoke in his message, Chris did, about spiritual wasteland. And he said this, God calls wasteland a land not sown. And then he said, a land not yet sown needs to be sown. Mm. And instantly for me, um, as he was speaking, my mind I went to church planting, just because I think that's something that I think about a lot. And... Um, you know, going out and taking new territory, and that, which is what the early church did. That's how the message of the gospel spread in the days of the early church. That They'd go to a new town, a new city, a new region, and they'd establish a community of believers who would then be responsible for sharing the message of Jesus in that area. Uh, so that was one thing I thought. Over then I was thinking about what other ways we, um, as the church, can sow into land that as of yet hasn't been sown into and um, I thought about Ellen. Actually, we're talking about you guys a lot this morning. I thought about Ellen and the work that she did uh, for many, many years, going into the schools. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how many. I doubt there's many schools in this area. In fact, uh, there we go. So when she did that, she was going and taking assembly, speaking to the children about Jesus. And I know from talking to her that often she'd end up speaking to the teachers as well and having brilliant conversations with them. And, you know, what she was doing there is she was going and she was sowing seeds into land, which most probably wouldn't have been sown into had she not done that. Um, and then I was thinking about all of us and, and our lives. And I was thinking, because it's not, just, it's not just for church leaders, this call. We're all called to go. We're all called mm-hmm. to the harvest. And so I was thinking, well, how can each and every person in Myrtle House be a person who sows into ground that otherwise wouldn't be sowed into just in their lives? And, you know, I think that the most simple way that we can do that is just to be a witness of Je- for Jesus wherever we go So when we go into our homes, when we go into our workplaces, on our streets, in our neighborhoods, in our college, our school, that we are a witness of Jesus wherever we go, that we sow into that land. Because let's face it, if I'm the only Christian in my workplace, and if I don't sow seeds, no one else is going to, that is land that nobody is sowing into, and the responsibility is mine, and the responsibility is yours to do that, So, which I don't know about you, I find that quite challenging, So, um, but it um, it takes courage to do that and it takes a constant dependence on the Holy Spirit to do that and to rely on him, to be listening to him and then courage to be obedient to whatever it is he asks us to do, whatever he tells us to say, wherever he tells us to go. It's just constant obedience to him so that we keep sowing seeds ready for the harvest. I did that in two minutes. Chris did it in a little bit longer than that. But.
5: <laughs> Thanks, Dan. Well, um, I think we went to the same conference, didn't we? So so some very similar thoughts. But I start off with the, the passage that Chris um, quoted was Jeremiah 2, verse 2, where it says this. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown, and like Dan was saying, that stood out to me. How because sometimes we can look at something and think, "Oh, um, actually, Boyd said this in his talk. He said he talked about sight and vision. That the difference between sight and vision is that sight is something you look with with your eyes, vision is something that is from your heart. And so sometimes we can look at those wilderness places, those um, barren lands, and think there's no way that uh, anything's going to grow there. But with your heart, you have this passion to see things grow, and and it will grow. And it's just a pl- it, the wilderness is just a place that seed has not been sown yet. And then Chris said, "It's time to sow." And so for me, the resounding um, thing that I've come away from conferences is this renewed, renewed thinking, renewed uh, passion. I hope, I think. Renew passion of, of of planting of sowing seeds and of planting and so but that 's not just something that that I do that we do it 's something that we, that we all do and i 'm reminded of of one of my uh, heroes of Reggie McNeil, where he talks about us as peop- as the people of God, we are partnering with him in his redemptive mission in the world, and so all the things that Dan is saying, all the things that everybody's saying, that we are partnering, and it's not just down to one and two individuals. We all have seeds to sow, we all have things and so I ask myself, Well, what does what does this church planting look like? It could be a traditional church plant, but it, it may be something completely different. It could be um, some uh, a prayer meeting in, in your prayer in your in your office, it could be um could be anything. I could, you know, we could think of so many different things. And so um, I'd want to mention something that Gav, Gavin Culver said. I always love listening to Gavin Culver. He's, he's the, the CEO, the director of Evangelical Alliance. And whenever he speaks, he's he's, a right, he's an out-and-out evangelist. And um, he always speaks and encourages and stirs you up, um, And he he looked at these things that we need to go lower, stand firmer, look wider, and reach further. Um, And so I asked myself, what does that look like? And all the things that I feel that we were hearing, and Danielle Strickland as well, for me, pointed to this renewed call to plant churches. So that's what I've come away and asking, Holy Spirit, what does that look like in me? What does that look like in us? And... But I believe that together we can see the kingdom of God expand and we will see people redeemed and set free. Together we do it, you know? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try and be brief. Um, Jeremiah 2, 2, me too. Um, uh, I was just, uh, it kind of popped off the screen because the the text was up on the screen. Uh, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember the devotion of your youth. How, as a bride, you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, through the land not sown. And when it's when I read a land not sown, it kind of jumped out at me because I understand wilderness. Everybody. In Scripture, everybody in uh, church history that has ever accomplished anything for God has a wilderness experience. Just have a look at all the prophets. You look at Jesus. You look at John the Baptist. You look at the disciples. Wilderness is part and parcel of the journey. But your perspective, as Boyd said, your perspective really matters because different translations say... Uh, say it slightly differently, a word through a land not sown is the n I v and several other translations, but some other translations say a barren land now for me if i if i 'm looking and i 'm thinking this place is barren, it means that there 's nothing here it 's just dead there 's nothing here, but your perspective can shift if you call it a land that is not yet sown it's got potential isn't it it's got potential and i think perspective is really really important and for me perspective it just refreshed my perspective i can look at situations and think how do we find a way through this how do we navigate this 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 is terrible this is you know our, it's just awful nothing's changed no it's just a land not sown we just got to put the seeds out there, and something will happen, so that was a big thing for me, uh, Danielle Strickland just made a massive impression on me, uh, in some of the stories that she told, and uh, some of the teaching that she brought, and it was the same as what Chris said, what is that, was just such a profound thought, what is that, when do people look at you and go, kind of, what is that, or do they go, what is that, you know, because your intonation makes a big difference, you know, and it's, it's, again, it's what do people see? She told some stories. She told this story of a friend of hers who, as a child, was in church and would get bored, and so they would go to the back of the book, the, the Bible, and would look at the maps, and they would just search, just trace the journeys of Paul and uh, the early apostles, and they would they were just interested in the map because they were bored in church but they eventually they encountered Jesus for themselves and they went to bible seminary and uh and prepared to go into ministry and they finished their training they felt equipped and they came out of their training set, uh, situation they said okay god <clears throat> where's my map and um Daniel tells it in such a funny way, and you can see it for yourself if you look at her uh, her teaching sessions. But she said, um, this person said, where's my map, God? And God said, oh, I wrote that, I drew that after they'd done the journey. And I thought, wow. So often we want God to give us a road map because we use maps to go from A to B. And God says, No, I don't work like that. I'll record your journey. I'll show the evidence of where you've been, because what really matters is that you just go. And you just go wherever I lead you. You do whatever I've told you to do. And I, I was thinking about it this morning and I and Ellen's just nipped out, and so I'm gonna grab her Bible because I wanna show you a map in the back of Ellen's Bible, because I use an electronic Bible. Oh, she's next here she comes. Um, so this is, this is Ellen's Bible. Okay. And I just want to show you some of the maps in the back of Ellen's Bible. Here. Can you see them? These are Ellen's maps. (laughs) These are Ellen's maps. Page after page of map. I've got to be careful how I hold this book of maps up because it's evidence of where you've been. That just struck me. I'll tell you another quick story because she talked about sometimes we think we're going to do X, Y, and Z and it doesn't quite work out like that. And she said, uh, she told this story uh, to. Um, preload us with a thought. And she said, um, in the 1920s, uh, prostitution was um, a public secret in Japan. It was institutionalized. uh, It was organized. It was uh, dark and demonic. And um, the Salvation Army had just started to work in Japan. And this English captain went from Great Britain to work in Japan with the Japanese salvationists who wanted to do something for God in their nation. And so they decided that they were going to start a war with the people that were running the prostitution uh, in a particular city. And um, And they decided, so this English captain says, okay, how are you going to do this? And they said, and it was a a group of uh, little old ladies, and they said, we're going to get a big drum, and we're going to march into the middle of this red light district, and we're going to gather in a circle, and we're going to beat the drum, and we're going to shout, if you want to be free, come and stand in the circle. And uh, on the first day they did this, um, a few girls, young girls, came and stood in the middle of the circle. And uh, and so the Salvationists gathered around them. They tightened ranks and began to – I mean, she's quite funny in telling the story. She said, I don't quite know how they would have – like there was about 50 of these uh, little old ladies gathered around these young girls – um, but they would have sh- they shuffled out out of this, t- this red light district with these girls in the middle protecting them but as they did that the goons from the uh, brothels came out and began to beat the women on the outside of the circle and they were using their bodies to defend these young girls but what these salvationists had also done is they'd contacted two international um, uh, news agencies uh, to come, and they said, this is what we're going to do. You might want to come and photograph it and record it because it's going to be interesting. And so as these goons began beating these ladies, these photographers from these uh, this couple of international uh, newspapers turned up and began photographing what was going on. And it was on the news. It It was then in the papers. And so, these little old ladies, every Saturday, they would go and do the same thing, and there would be half a dozen young girls saved each day, each day. And eventually, there was a... The momentum built so much that the, the national government was pressurized by public opinion to change the law and say that if you were enslaved in prostitution, you had a right to be free. You could leave if you wanted to. The next day, the... These little old ladies went in to the red light district and 15,000 girls came out. And she told the story to drive the point that if you've got a plan to save people, you should just get on and not look at the problems and the, the, the pressures but you have the power to bring transformation to situations and circumstances. She tells that story to line us up, to understand that she had then an encounter in Sydney. She was going to speak at an international conference of uh, Salvation Army officers. And it was in a big convention center. But at the same time in the convention center was um, an international conference called Sexbow. And it was sex workers and the sex trade there in the same convention center. And the, uh, the captains that had organized the conference had seen this other conference. And they went to the uh, convention center and said, look, this is, this is really difficult. And so the convention center said, well, we'll keep all of your guests can go in through door C. And all these other people will go through door A. And... Um, and therefore you'll never meet these people. it'll be fine and Danielle was like, "I want to bang a big drum she, and she's told us this story and she said, so I, I rang I rang the the guy who'd organized the sex bow and told him that uh, we're Christians and we're going to be in the same convention center and he said, "Oh, that's great." And she said, "No, you need to know that we're praying that that you get closed down. He said, oh, that's fantastic. We love the fact that you're praying for us. And everything she did to provoke him, he was really nice to her. And she was getting really upset because she wanted to go and charge and bang a big bass drum in this place. And I'm going to leave the story there hanging because I want to encourage you to go and listen to her tell the story. Have a look for yourself on YouTube. It's there. It's there. Because you need to hear the rest of what she said. Because as eloquently as we can tell you out of our memory, what she is carrying is dynamite. It's fire for you. Okay? It's, it's ignited me. It's ignited others. And I want you to benefit from what she has to say, not secondhand. Yeah. Sorry to be pr- provocative, but uh, Lord bless them.
1: <laughs> oh, we're, we're aware the time has moved on, but it's uh, it's been good. It's been good to be, be provoked. Um Just to put something right, Bill said you're wrong earlier. You're wrong. You got it wrong. I vi- used to visit 29 schools out of 31 primary schools in the community here and some of the comps. So it was a lot higher. Just to say that um, when we were, I was in a line at conference, we were getting a sandwich, and in front of us was Phil Hills, some of you will know Phil, and his son, Josh. And um, um, Bill said, hi to Josh, I'm Bill, as if may- we thought that maybe Josh, because the last time we saw Josh, he was so little. Um, and he said, no, I know who you are. And then he turned to me, and we got talking, and he said, I remember you, you used to come to my school to do my assemblies in Pentlegare Primary School. In the, and it was interesting—the joy in his little, in his big face. It's not a big face, but he's a big, big boy now. He's a big lad. But he was looking. He's a pastor, yes, in Sunderland. But he looked down at me and just said, "And I thought, God, you are so amazing in the way you drop encouragement in." to our lives and he does it all the time he's so encouraging Uh, some of the guys talked about church planting which is very 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 important some of us might end up doing that one day some of you might end up being part of that but you know the sowing and reaping that Jesus talks about you know sowing the seed and the seed being watered and the sun shining down on it and it growing and it uh, becoming beautiful you know that's people's life Jesus talks to us about sowing because our mission is to sow into other people's lives. And that's why, I mean, I would never have expected Bobby, Dan, or Christine or whatever to talk about the people we know. But listen, we've lived our life, and I hope you're living your life in a way that sows. You sow every day of the life that you've been given through Jesus Christ and all he's done on that cross, He died to save you from sin that you could have a relationship with God the Father. When you ask for forgiveness, you come into his family, his amazing family, and you start to understand the real meaning of love and what love is. And love, Jesus' way, is unconditional love. You love whoever comes your way in whatever way you can do it. With a smile, with a hug, with a listening ear, whatever, you sow, you sow, you sow. Christine started this morning by mentioning about being filled with the spirit every day. You have to be filled with the spirit every day of your life because what we're expected is God fills us up with quite a lot of him actually fills us to overflowing with his Holy Spirit. If you want to know about it search it in the word it's in the word but he wants us to be filled with his spirit every day. Every day of my life I come before him and say God I lay my life before you I can't do this without you. But I can do all things with you. God, I want my life to be a living sacrifice for you. God, come. Because you see, I'm quite strong. I'm quite capable. I'm quite able. But I don't want to go ahead of God the Father. I don't want to go ahead of him. I want to do what the Father wants. And so that means I've got to come before him, kneel before him, sit before him, driving along in the car, whatever I'm doing. And I ask him to come today, Lord, will you fill me up? Can I sense you? Can I want your presence in my life? And I want to be led by you. I've looked back just the last few weeks at my life, and I'm so grateful and so thankful for for the way I've learned to walk my journey because I don't have to be on my knees. I don't have to be sat in a religious little corner of my house every day. My life is my life with God. Jesus lives in me. The spirit of God is in me. And so I expect every day of my life to be sewing. I sew because I have got something that's really special. I carry and I have the good news of Jesus Christ in me. I know it. I believe it. I live for it. I live for the day when I stand before him. But until that day, every day of my life is called to do something for him. So, 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 so. Be those children of light. Ephesians 4, children of light. It's precious. Read about it. It's about that you don't do the fleshly things anymore. You give up that right. You're bought by a price, by him. And you live as children of the light, doing the right things that children of the light do. Good, caring, loving, compassionate. Okay? I was sat in the, um, in, well, in all of the preachers, but... The one where I came alive, it was Chris Cartwright. It was on the first night, but he hit on something that I believe is part and central to our lives. The sowing and reaping. And the sowing and reaping principle. And he was talking about, uh, you know, sowing in the wasteland, sowing in... And I think, yes, yes, yes. And I found myself sat there and he was talking away and I found myself writing down some words. And it was due to be me to speak today, but we felt we wanted to do it a different way. So you had a flavor of everybody's snippets of good. Whether you were here last week or you were away last week, God is at work. God is at work in every one of you, but do you believe it? I wonder if you believe it. I wonder if you think, oh, my time's up now, or I can't do that. I know even Pam struggling with her breathing still shouts to me or in her lovely, lovely little voice, because if she shouts, she won't get to breathe. Jesus loves me and I'm not giving up. And she won't give up. Her presence here on Friday was amongst the people that she comes to join on a Friday. And she smiles and she talked to me about who? Who else? The love of her life, Jesus Christ. And everybody can hear it. But she's not going to give up because she's determined for every one of her days she has left to sew, 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 and sew. Am I right, Pam, or am I wrong? Right. I'm right. I know I'm right because I know, I know Pam and I know what she's like. But I started to write something down, all right, and I felt that some of the words I've written down were for some of you because I felt this morning, and I think all of this morning has been encouraging, the worship encouraged us to take part in worship. We were encouraged through things people said that God has done through their lives or how God is working in circumstances around them. And it's been encouraging all the way along. It's been encouraging. And uh, I, I, uh, the first line of words I've got here is called to a fresh anointing. All right. Now, I'm anointed by God and set apart to go. But sometimes I say, God, I want more of you. God, I just need more of you. I just need to know your presence. Just release your anointing because I believe, yeah, all right, I do that. Fresh anointing. called to a fresh anointing. And I, this is what I prayed. Come, Lord, more of you in our communities. How does God become more in our communities? Not through me. Through us. Through us. Through our eyes firmly fixed upon him. Um. just going to read what i wrote and something will resonate with you and something might not but i'm going to read it because i was just writing as i sensed god was talking to me all right there's a call to a fresh anointing come lord more of you in our communities may the people who love you all right may the people who love you stand up be strong go forward in whatever ever he has asked of you of you go do it Be bold, be strong, for the Lord your God is with you. Do you believe that? He's with you. Every moment of every day, God is with you. So you can, you can go, you can do, you can speak, you can get up, you can do it. Because every breath in your body is there for a purpose, to love him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and to be obedient to the calling upon your life, which is to love him. And if you love him as you really should love him, you won't be able to help but love other people. And the sowing will begin or continue and you'll reap. Trust in him, rely on him, but go forward. Don't stay where you are, go forward. No matter what, be determined to be one who brings in, ushers in, helps the kingdom of God as it is in heaven. Let it be on earth. You be one of them people that's determined to play your part, that we will see the kingdom come as it is in heaven, in the earth, in our community, because God's put us all here for such a time as this. There is nothing wasted for you here now. As long as you look up, And you understand and develop your relationship with the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because it's Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who sits at the right hand of his Father now, looking down, praying, praying, praying for you and I. But he sent the one and only Holy Spirit to be God on earth. God on earth dwells in me. The Spirit of God dwells in me, guides me, leads me, directs me, teaches me, challenges me, says, Stop! (laughs) Shut up, Ellen! Shh! No more. All right. He's in control. Not me in control. I get it wrong. I'm not perfect. Same as you. But we come before Jesus. We say, sorry. I'm so sorry. I've messed up again. Messed up again. No matter what, be determined to be one who ushers in the kingdom. Be part of it. Be part of it. Say sorry if you've lost your way. Ask God to forgive you because you are forgiven. He forgave you. He forgave you, forgave you, forgave you. But we're human. We make mistakes. And sometimes we've just got to say, I'm sorry. Overstep the mark with Bill. Stuck my big foot in it. I'm sorry. Say sorry. You're forgiven. Move on. Shake off doubt, fear. Anything that controls your life, shake it off. Remember where, this, where Satan is. He's under your feet. He thinks he's Lord, but he's not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus rules. Jesus reigns. You reign. You rule on behalf of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You've been called and set apart to go on a task, on a mission, where you change your tires. You're on a mission there, Dan, to love those men into the kingdom. They won't know that, but you'll just be Dan, full of the love of God, kind, generous. See God move, because wherever you are, The Spirit of God is. And the Spirit of God changes atmospheres. When you walk into a room, you should change the atmosphere because of what you carry the presence of God, the Spirit of God. So remember, Satan's under your feet. And if you've got a problem this morning, put it where it needs to be under your feet say, God, I'm not believing those lies anymore. I believe in you, God, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I am going to achieve what God's called me to achieve. Whether it's being the best cook, the best tire changer, the best manager, the best washer-upper, the best cleaner, the best supply teacher, whatever you are, whether you're a, a a beautiful, beautiful person that feels that the four walls of their house does them in because you have to look after your babies. It's the best place for you. It's it's a privilege to do that for your family, but for the King of Kings, you serve him, love him, serve him, do what he says. Remember, be bold, be strong for the Lord, your God is with you. There's a song there. Believe it. Believe it. Believe the hand of God's on your life. Believe it. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. Look up. Receive again. Even today, the Holy Spirit. Let him come and fill you afresh. Be confident again. Believe in yourself. He believes in you. He trusts you. He believes in you. Looking at Emma. He believes in you. He trusts you, Emma. Ellie, he believes in you. He trusts in you. Caitlin, he believes in you. He trusts you. I think, Caitlin, you're a very safe pair of hands. You're a very safe pair of hands. And I don't know what you face. I don't know what you're in. I know something, a little tiny snippet of what you're in. But God trusts you. You're a woman of God. You're a mighty woman of God. And even in your gentleness of spirit, I don't think you should ever, I don't think you do, but let people get in your face. Be confident in who dwells in you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Stand up, girl, to be counted because you carry something that's really, really precious. And he trusts you. He trusts you. He trusts you. Be confident again, those of you that maybe need to believe in yourself. He believes in you. Come out of the grave. Some of you have felt dead and buried, forgotten about. But God says this morning, get up and get out. Get up, wake up. Get up, get out, walk out. You have the choice. You can choose to walk out of your misery. You can choose to walk out of the pain. You can choose to walk out of the fiery furnace. Allow the fire of God in that difficulty to purify your heart. Purify your heart. It's in the fire that we get purified, but we get stronger. And it's good because he changes us to become more like Jesus. You are called... You're called. You are called. Remember, the Bible talks very clearly we're his masterpiece. God is at work in us. And what he started, he will finish because that's what his word says. He will finish. What he started, he'll finish. But let him in. Let him be God. Let him be God. Let go. Let go and trust him. Let go of the circumstances around you that you just don't know how to get through them. You don't know how to get out of them. You've got to trust him. Trust him. You're called to make a difference. You change atmospheres. Don't hold back. This is something Chris Cartwright said, and I put it down as a quote It's time to sow, to sow again in wasteland and wilderness. For some of us, we might think it's a waste of time thinking of sowing into our families' situations because it's just wasted, it's not going anywhere. Listen, the way you sow, Is not necessarily by talking, not rubbing their nose in it, what they don't believe. It's loving them like Jesus would love them, seeing them like Jesus sees them. And you might not agree, that's fine. They right now might not know God, that's fine. But you keep loving them, loving them, loving them as Jesus loves them, sacrificially, unconditionally, even when you don't want to. And you'll see the change. It will happen before your very eyes. It will change. Your life will change. Circumstances and situations. Believe it. Believe it. So extravagantly. So extravagantly. Some of us need to believe that actually we, we know we sow. But be generous. Sow wherever you are, whatever you can do. So extravagantly. And remember again the sewing is sewing good stuff into other people's lives. Precious lives. You know, whether they smell or they don't smell, whether they're little or large, whether they're black or white, it doesn't matter. God says so and so extravagantly. Believe it, do it all the time, so wherever you are, whenever, all the time. We know the parable of the sower. You can go back to Matthew 13, have a look at it, read it, read it. It's time to sow. Sow again of your life to others. After all, he sowed his life for you. He sowed it for you. He gave it for you. I think he, we owe him something, don't we? God always sees possibilities in others. And it could be you that helps them find their potential. I think sometimes some of us maybe feel that we can't or we won't. Well, that's between you and God because that's disobedience. But, uh, you know, some of us have so many opportunities, but we miss them. Because I think we forget who we are, what we are, what we're called to do. We forget to sow. We get on with our daily lives because they're very, very busy. And then we might have circumstances and situations and forget what our calling is. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. To love him, to worship him, to adore him. And I think when you do that, He'll lead you, he'll guide you, and you'll see the masses behind you, wanting to talk, wanting to laugh with you, coming to you because they know you'll listen to them. And you don't have to go very far, do you, around you in your lives, to see people that need something of what you experience? Your next door neighbour. You know, we talk about loving your neighbour. But it's anybody and everybody who we meet come alongside. It's precious. It's precious. Go and sow in the barren places. Because even your neighbor's home could be a barren place. Go and sow in the barren places. See what God will do. Ask. Pray. Be led by God. Sow where God says so. Go where God says so. Can you? Will you? Do you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to ask Martin to come and to play. And we're going to offer you prayer today. Yes, you can pray with each other, but we can pray with you too. Go and sow. Have confidence in who you are, in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you've transformed my life, you've changed my life, and I thank you for that. I thank you that as I look around this place, you've changed so many of our lives. So many of us are so different today because of all of you, that you have done in our lives. And Father, some of us are, are more fruitful than others. And I pray that today we might come back to the truth of your word that you've called us to be sowers. Sowers of the seeds of life. I thank you, Jesus, for your presence here today. And I pray for every discouraged person, I pray that they would be encouraged. I pray that those that say, I can't, will begin to believe and say, I will, because of their love for you. Father, I pray for every negative thought that's in anybody's head, that they would start to take hold of these thoughts, take captive these thoughts. And allow you to fill their mind with good things. Help us, Father, to have a strategy in our own lives of staying close to you, whatever that means. Through prayer, walking and talking with you. Through your word. Through podcasts, through other people around us. That's why, God, I pray that we would understand who we are. That we are sowers. We sow, have the opportunity to sow into someone else's life every moment of every day. And I pray that we'll realize that, that we're a gift to our community. I thank you for the gift of your son and the gift of life that you've given to me and to us. I praise you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I pray that this morning, if those of us might need to say, I'm sorry, I've not trusted you or I'm sorry, I've held on to something that I should have let go or Whatever is in our thinking, I pray that this morning, right now, we'll come to you and you alone. Not for anybody else's business, but because it's between us and you, God.